Tonight, I get to talk to one of my best friends from college, Dan DL, a licensed social worker and certified clinical trauma professional who works with the Veteran Affairs. We're going to pick up with my veteran entitlement segment from last night and get his opinion on it. Dan is a father and husband and has served our amazing country, so please join me in welcoming a warm welcome of what I hope to be one of many segments with Dan. Again, thank you for your support, so please like, share, and follow my podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or any other podcast platform. Here we go. All right. Hey, everybody. So today I have one of my best friends that I went to college with and have so much admiration for. It is Daniel, the doctor from Ohio. We'll let him kind of explain his whole background, but I hope that you guys enjoy this wonderful podcast with this dickhead of a man. So, hey, Dan, how you doing? <laughs> hey, Ryan, how are you tonight? Pretty good, man. Tell me a little bit about yourself before we get started. Well, I appreciate the doctor uh, title, but I am not a doctor, although I, I have went to school for a long time. But uh, So I'm an Air Force veteran. Uh, Went back to college later, got a degree in psychology, undergrad, went to graduate school for social work because uh, I started working in addictions back in like 2007. So like that was my passion to work with people with addictions and addiction issues. Uh, so went to school for it, got schooling, worked in mental health for years uh, since about 2007, uh, working in addictions, mental health, psych hospitals. Uh, so I have a lot of experience in the mental health, drug and alcohol field, and just social work in general. That's awesome, man. It, it really is. There's, there's some admirable qualities to being able to, to help our, our veterans because they definitely need it. And um, I don't know if you got around to listening to my Veteran Entitlement podcast the other night. I know we talked about it briefly, but... Um, I felt it was important to talk about that and the culture around the VA and the standard issue veteran that comes out of the military, whether it be from the Marines all the way down to the Coast Guard, which nobody ever talks about. Um, mm-hmm. but, uh, but yeah, I, I kind of wanted to talk about the, the dynamic that you see so frequently um, at work when you're working with veterans and how they perceive themselves in society and, and what their expectations are. So, I, I mean, it's funny you mentioned it. You ever, did you see Space Force yet? I have not. Oh, yeah, uh, I did see it. I did see it, yeah, with um, the guy from 40-Year-Old Virgin. I'm horrible. Yeah, yeah, Steve Carell. Steve so it, it is actually pretty hilarious, but they, they actually do that with the Coast Guard, and they're, they're like, you know, you don't matter, Coast Guard. <laughs> <laughs> so it is pretty funny. Um, so true. But... I mean, for me, and working with veterans, being a veteran, understanding veterans, things like that, you know, there definitely is an entitlement, but I think it's, a lot of it's propaganda. I'm going to be honest. And a lot of things I'm going to say tonight, probably people aren't going to like to hear, uh, but that's all right. Uh, but it, there's, yeah, there's definitely propaganda around a lot of things, um, you know, especially since 2001. You know, I mean, I remember 2001. Wow, man, I was such a different person. You know what I mean? Like, like you're, hoorah, join the military, let's go, we're going to war. You know, full force, like, not realizing, you know, like the, 
implications of that and really how serious it is, you know, yeah. and that goes to, to brain development and things like that, you know, because when you talk about brain development, our brains aren't the, the rational parts of our brains where we make rational decisions. We're less not impulsive. Yeah, they're not cooking grits until you're 25. Exactly. So, so that's why the military likes the young people. And I can remember when we invaded Iraq, I was at uh, tech school. And I mean, everybody's cheering, you know, and it's just it's like, you know, just cheering, excited, ready to go. And then, yeah, man. And you look back on it 20 years later and you see all the mistakes that were made and all the problems that happened, you know, and things like that. But that's, again, you know, I experienced it. You experienced, you know, you were involved in those things. So like you can kind of understand it, you know, and you can kind of understand where it comes from. But people on the streets, man, they don't, I mean, you know, again, like there's people on Memorial Day, they'll say, oh, thank you. Thank you for your service. You know, they're, they're, they just don't know like anything really about the military or about people. All they hear is military is great. Yes. You know, they're protecting us safety. It's all about safety, security, you know? So even at like my work now, they'll put up veteran stickers on uh, people's patients' doors, mm-hmm. you know? So but to to get back, you know, I mean, even whenever I first joined, like, I mean, it was pretty much only said, you know, you're going to get an education. We'll give you an education, you know, and we'll, we'll pay you and, you know, you do your time. And once you get out, you can get this education. But yeah, go ahead. I mean, you kind of you kind of spurred for me. Like, I remember when I was 17, um, mm-hmm. I had I was really good at football. And I had this this dream of, of playing college football, and that kind of didn't manifest, right? And then <clears throat> I was just this really influential, like I was, I was so I could be manipulated by just about anything, right? I mean, some random homeless person could come on the street and be like, "Dude, you should you should you know join the Peace Corps," and I probably would have, yeah, you know, just because I had no idea, you know what, yeah, what I wanted to do with my life. And then when you get into the military it's it's almost like this faction this cult this i'm looking at things and for as much as the military doesn't they always talk about discipline and everything else they really want you to be stupid because they, mm-hmm. they they don't want you too smart because they want to be able to to manipulate you and i think that there's a culture that's kind of created in the military that kind of bleeds into civilian life and if you're not willing to evolve when you get out of the service i think that's where that gap is between the veterans like you and i who yeah are able to coexist in in, in a civil civil civilized civilian society and those who just can adapt because they were given a steady diet of just bullshit for so long and you take that and then you throw ptsd in some more time couple dead bodies and a, and a couple divorces and all of a sudden you got a guy with some really serious issues yeah and they want this guy to be in in, in schools and protect our schools and our children and things like that and then they become when police they... officers <laughs> so so that's what i was actually going to say like you know that culture it continues with them because once they get out you know a lot of veterans yeah. Well, a lot of veterans will go to the VA, they'll get a job there, or they'll be like just straight patients there, 
you know, which some, I mean, dude, here's the thing. Some definitely, yeah, some need, I mean, some have some horrendous injuries, you know, but we're talking about out of the whole military, a fraction of percent, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Of people that need to be cared for for the rest of their lives because of How their injuries. How often do you see a guy come into the VA that looks like one of those dudes from the Wounded Warriors Project? Oh, gosh, dude, all the time. I mean, and do you? What do you mean? Like with the shirts on? Oh, oh, you mean like the, the limbless part? Yeah. No, 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 no. I meant, I meant like guys like wearing the, the gear and things like that. Right. No, no, dude. Rare, rarely, rarely do you see that. that. Yeah. You well, know, I mean. Yeah, it's like a geriatric reward anymore because the lion's share of veterans are over the age of 60. They're Vietnam vets. And, and, I, and you know what? So I actually had a, a, a Vietnam guy, man, sat sat in my office and, and told me, you know, he was 70% service connected for PTSD. But, you know, dude, I do PTSD assessments all day long and I can see signs and symptoms and understand that. There's a difference between PS, PTSD and being an asshole. You know what I mean? So like people like blame their PTSD and they're just really assholes, you know? And, and, and the thing is, 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 is that, you know, he's, he's sitting in my office and he says, you know, I want to get, I want a hundred percent disability. I'm like, cause I'm like, why are you coming to see me? Well, I, I want a hundred percent disability. Explain and to I'm people like, the difference between somebody who makes 90% and a hundred. So I'm not sure the exact difference, but I know that there's a, there is a huge difference with that. I mean, um, you know, in terms of like free dentist, you can get dentist uh, care if you're like hundred percent disabled. Um, there's like, you know, you get like tax breaks and things like that. I mean, there's, you don't have to pay property it's tax. It's like an extra $1,200 a month. Yeah. Yeah. Well that too. I mean, you got, you got that too. Plus See, if you're hundred percent, you can get caregiver support. Yeah. And that's the thing like that I'm trying to get at is like the way the VA has structured their disability payments. Any, any, if a guy's making 70% versus somebody who's making a hundred percent, it's yeah. like, it's like two or three times the amount. It's like two times the amount, mm-hmm. but somebody who's making 10% to that 70%, it's still substantial, but that's a 60% gap. They're yeah. only making like $1,500 more. So there's this consensus with veterans to not become hireable. It's called unhireable. And it's a status that the VA gives to veterans, whether yeah. it's from PTSD being what you would say an ass or legitimately cannot work. And that 100% then creates this whole genre of of um, potential um, subsidies that they can get from caregiver pay to a free car, to a house, to all these yeah. different kinds of programs. And I think that they've created a systemic issue with dependency on the government. And, and, and I don't think that that culture is a sustainable model for our veterans. No, man. I mean, it, it's definitely not. And like you said, it, you know, you become un- unhirable. And, you know, when you tell somebody, well, and the thing is, too, like, there's no, um, like, reassessing. You know what I mean? It's like, once you get that, you're pretty much in. I mean, they're never going to, like, rate you down. I mean, there's not a they lot do. of, like... They can. They it, usually do they, reassessments every five years. If, if you're a certain percentage. Right. Yeah, only if you're a certain percentage. You know, so and those I mean, dude, there's so many people that like, you know, that that's it's gone. But it comes back to like just, you know, 
my under my my trying to understand, you know, what's this entitlement that I deserve this over like somebody that's like living in Southside Chicago that deals with that shit every day. You right. know, they deal with the the violence, the I mean, slot dude, just probably worse stuff than some people have even seen overseas. You know, that are so, and they're seeing why, it on American soil every day. Yeah, you know, and and my question becomes, you know, why? So, like, you know, when I'm talking to this guy that's seventy percent and was a hundred percent, you know, he's he's he'll say ignorant, like horrible comments about welfare recipients, right? And or people on on disability, on like you know um, disability for 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 mental stuff. He, you know, he'll they're they're you know sucking off the system, and you know these people are horrible and. You know, I mean, honestly, dude, a lot of it's like low key racism stuff because I was working, I was in a, a place, man, it was just in cornfields. I mean, it was, it was good old boys. I mean, Confederate flags, stuff like that. I mean, I had people drop the N word in my office a few times. And, um, oh, that's good. You know, yeah, especially because my wife's African American, dude. So it's like, you know, and there's a picture of her right there. And, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, come on, man. Like, so. But, you know, they, 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 he'll look at these people like they're, you know, the dredges of society, right? Mm-hmm. But then you ask him, like, like, you know, what he does, and, and he's telling me, you know, I, I get so enraged, I want to kill people. And this guy's like seven. And, like, he's, like, legit. Like, I, I've planned on killing, like, my boss and people like that. Like, and I'm like, man, dude, like, what, why are you so different from that person? Mm-hmm. You know, and where does this entitlement like, you know, come from? And maybe with the Vietnam guys, dude, honestly, they didn't get a warm welcome coming home. So, oh, like, no. you know, now that like my my buddies, uh, my best man at my wedding, his dad was shot in Vietnam, and it, you know, in the head, dude. So, like, he has serious injuries, man. Um, like, he has like loss of vision and, you know, balance issues and things. And as he's getting older, it's getting worse. But this guy for 30 something years didn't dude he, he washed dishes he he couldn't get this he wasn't on he didn't get disability they literally got him disability in like 2014 or something like that and backdated it to 1971 whoa you know yeah dude like he literally couldn't work you know he tried he worked at the it, 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 you know various jobs but like he couldn't see you know and then he finally you know washed dishes for like 30 years at a restaurant under the table, just, you know, washing dishes. Like, it's, it's crazy, man. Yeah, you know, yeah. but, but, but he's a guy, even now, dude, he, he is like, he's a dude, he will, like, use the system, like, how it's supposed to and things like that. See, like, granted, yeah. he got 100% now, I mean, but this is a guy that should have that, you know what I mean? He this, can't see. <laughs> well, here's the thing that I kind of want to paint for people listening is that, the VA has two kinds of veterans that join the ser- that they're that, that part of the Veteran Affairs. There's the VHA, the Veteran Veteran Health Association. And we're talking about VBA stuff, kind of too, but which is yeah. Veteran Benefit Association. But the VHA and they're two different, yeah, yeah. Um, so the VHA has combat veterans, and then they have veterans, and they look at them completely differently. Combat veterans get, I would say, better care overall than those who don't unless they I saw an Air Force dude, I saw an airman with sleep yeah. apnea. Sleep apnea. 
Yeah. And he was getting 50%. It's insane. That's like a thousand dollars. 50%. He's sleep apnea, dude. And we went to college with him. 50% for sleep apnea. That's crazy. Yeah. I went in there, dude, to get my CPAP test. And here's this dude with his CPAP in a, like one of these little fancy backpacks. And he's got a pair of Jordans on. And he comes in. And you know those little bags that have little pieces of string you put on your shoulders, one of those lightweight. Yeah, things? yeah, yeah. He's he just he looks like a really young kid, and he's driving a, a BMW, and he's collecting his his VA money for the GI Bill, and he's getting his disability oh, for sleep apnea. And you know that's kind of where I'm wanting to go with this now is that we have veterans that genuinely know how to use the system for the right reasons. Like oh, right yeah. now I live out in the rural areas. So like I'm out of network. I don't have to go downtown to, to get my, uh, my care. See, That's good. Yeah. Yeah. And that wor- works out well for me because I get to work with private doctors, yeah. but um, they're, they're those that know how to use the system the right way. And they're usually combat veterans, frankly, because every time I go into the VA man and I see other veterans just, just loitering in the lobby and not really doing anything. I feel like the biggest piece of shit, dude. My mentality. Yeah. Like, well, why do you feel that way? I don't know. Like, I call me just old fashioned, but like, I I don't want to feel like I'm adding to the problem. Culture. Yeah. No. Nah, okay. I get that. I get that. Yeah. I feel like when I go there, I'm just another statistic of a veteran who goes there to get their health care because I I I can use my out 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 of network health care. Yeah. If I want, but I use the VA because it's free. And I don't know. I just, when I walk in there, dude, I just, I'm very unsettled and everybody's so old, you know, and there's, there's not enough people to really engage like this, like you and I are, yeah. um, that, that are actually using things the right way. And that's so frustrating. So I guess my next question, you man, keep things moving is, is how do you feel the VA should actually, how should we structure the way the VA is set up? Do we really need to overhaul the way we evaluate our veterans? And if we do decide to over uh, uh, to do that, how do we do that in a, in, a, in a sensitive way that doesn't just put a bunch of veterans out on the street with nothing? Yeah, no, I, I that's a delicate balance right there, you know. I mean, I don't know. You know, you think about it as a common sense. I mean, I can't tell what's going on in somebody's head, you know, but it's, you know, it's, shouldn't it, we you reward, can just see it. Shouldn't we reward veterans for, for getting it right? What like do you mean? Who, well, I got out of, out of the army in 2008. I went to college in 2009 and I graduated in 2012 and then I got my master's five years later. Okay. I'm dependent on myself now for the most part. Oh yeah. 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 And the reward is a free education and everything else. But for some of these veterans, you know, if you talk to Heather back at school, I'm not, we're not going to use her last name, but yeah, you know how many veterans used their, their, their GI bill and just went there to collect the paycheck. They didn't even want to finish school, man. Oh yeah, see that's crazy, man. See, see and that, but that's yeah. the problem. Like maybe what we do here 
is, yeah, we pay for your college up a certain amount, but unless you finish, we're not going to pay it off. It needs to be like anything else, like a job. Yeah. Like, if I worked at my company for for three years, they say, we're going to pay for your, your doctorate, Ryan, if you stay here for three years. The same thing needs to apply with the GI Bill. Yeah, we paid into it, and yeah, we deserve it because we paid into, into it and served our mm-hmm. country. But I feel like if we incentivize the finish, saying we will pay 100% of your tuition and we'll give you a little perk at the end to, to congratulate you for your effort to get you on your feet. Not, not yeah. buy a new car like, like, you know, the price is right, but, you know, get you in the right position to succeed. And I think that's the problem is that the system right now is rewarding mediocrity and a lot of these veterans are just taking advantage of the system. Yeah. So, I mean, that's, that's definitely one. That, that's actually a good idea that they should have to graduate before they get their school paid for. Um, you know, but the the thing is, is, uh, you know, I think really kind of reassessing a lot of the, the lower percentages and things like that. And, you know, really just cutting those ones off. Like the ones, because you can tell, I mean, the people that are, you know, getting the money, the little sums, you know, is it, is it really something that should be happening forever? You know? Yeah. Um, especially like I said, sleep apnea, 50%, man. I mean, that's crazy. Right. You know? So that's a thousand. I mean, imagine that. And that's times, you know, how many ever, you know, people, that's a lot of money. That's a lot of government money. So, I mean, really. It's I the think... third, it's the third largest expenditure on our federal budget every year is the VA. And the DBA makes up over half of that. Yeah. So the government, our tax dollars, the lion's share, like the lion's share of it is probably in the, it's bigger than Social Security. It's got to be. Yeah. Because, I mean, my grandparents are probably making 1500 bucks a month between the two of them. Yeah. <laughs> you know, a veteran with 100% disability is making almost four grand. Dude, and if they get caregiver support, man, that's even more. Like, it's a that's lot like of thousand. It's and people, thousand what, what we need to explain too is that it's all tax free. Mm-hmm. Like, that's not getting taxed. So, like, you know, <laughs> you, it's nothing's coming back in. You know, and and I think it goes back to you know what you say. That what, what can we do? I think it it you need to even scale back more, dude. To like again, like the propaganda stuff. You know, like making war cool. You know, making it. You know just to say the, the the excuse of you know safety and security and things like that i mean i get i get that you know we need that but at the same time like we don't have to be scared of everything and then the, getting this you know let's go attack this person and that person and you know getting everybody riled up you know it's just like the kneeling stuff i mean that moot, moot point because it's it's literally they didn't come on the field till 2009 and it was because of the Department of Defense that put billions of dollars into each league for, you know, recruiting purposes. So, like, we need, they need to stop that stuff. You know, you need to make it – it, the pedestal is way too high, man. And there's maybe, you know, the, the, that pedestal, maybe somebody in the military, a fraction of a percent make it to that. You know what I mean? We're talking about, like, you know, the, the um, – Congressional Medal of Honor winners and things like, you know, people that were in combat, like really doing, you know, that's a fraction of the percentage of like military people. So instead of, you know, 
because you even the, the glorifying of it, man. I mean, I I was in basic with kids that were told, you know, either go to prison or go to the military. We like were the, all in that though. That's we what were, I'm saying. It, go ahead. We were all in that though. Like I was all about going to Iraq and shooting some some bad guys, you know. Yeah. We all were. I mean, we were all bloodthirsty after that whole thing. And maybe it was propaganda or maybe it was just we were very nationalistic in the early 2000s. Like we were all about America and the flag. And I'm not saying that that's not wrong, but we were drunk, just Mm -hmm. straight up blood hungry. And it showed it showed. And and not only did our deficit show that. Um, it really spurred a lot of other problems, you know, so. Yeah. But see, here's the but, thing. That was justified. The 2001 was justified up until 2011 when bin Laden was killed. And now we, now it's time we're done. Like, let's, let's pull back, you know. So I kind of want to just continue this going a little bit. So, um, I, I have something here that, that talks about. The Vietnam War, 1964 to 1975. Nothing like Afghanistan. But Afghanistan's a different war. Vietnam was a very, very ugly war. And that's what we're dealing with a lot currently in the VA. And battle deaths in Vietnam were 47,434. Yeah. Which to me is, although that's a large number, when you really think about it, that is an easy out for the military because they don't have to take care of those 47,434. And then living veterans from Vietnam is 6,262 currently. Wow. And the total is 8,744. So we've lost about 2 million veterans from Vietnam. Um, whether from actually being in, in the war or being in the military at that time. And the reason why I'm kind of bringing this up is because of the balance sheet of how much this actually costs. And trying to compare the current military and how the VA is going to have to change very quickly as these boomers start, unfortunately, dying off. Because... That's going to be a lot of money that the VA isn't going to have to spend on healthcare, or yeah. benefits. And 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 I I really want to focus on us not getting back to that nationalistic approach where we're so bloodthirsty for a war that we're willing to continue to leverage our debt to pay for all these issues that war often generates with veterans. So maybe our military, it just needs to be a temporary thing. We should not, not always be prepared, but we no. should not be dependent on the feet and the arms of a, of a combat soldier. Um, no. It's so, it's, it's so irresponsible for society to want that. Well, what are your thoughts on having bases all over the world? And I mean, I'm all I right with value. Like, I see value. So I watched Air Force One last night. So you're going to, this kind (laughs) of goes in with Air Force One. So we all know that that's one of the greatest movies of all time. Harrison Ford is the man. Okay. He's like up there with Chuck (laughs) Norris. And he's the president in this movie. Like, of course they would make, like Chuck Norris was never president in a movie, by the way. I think we were totally, (laughs) totally should have been president for at least one movie, but um, 
there's this scene where he's being detained by this Russian KGB guy with an AK on in, in the where they put all the luggage and stuff at the bottom of the plane. Yeah. And he's got his cabinet on the phone and talking. And he's basically telling him to shoot the plane so the, the plane will maneuver to avoid the missiles. Mm-hmm. And the airplanes, the, the jets, the fighter jets that are tailing the Air Force One came out of nowhere because we were geographically close to that plane. And that's kind of what I want to get at. Like, I see value in us being strategical foot areas. Like, I see value in I see yeah. value in the Middle East just from a, a, from a location perspective because the influence matters. I still see value in North Korea, the United States. But for the most part, it's not so much our presence, but how we're leveraging that against other yeah. countries. Because Europe yeah. is completely dependent on us for defense. They don't pay for anything on defense. That's why their country's so pretty. Would you see, well, what, it was like 2000, it was a couple of years. It, was, it might even be a decade ago, man. Time goes so fast. But whenever, uh, one, one time, and it's probably happened several times since, but whenever North Korea was messing around and shooting rockets and things like that, and we sent like our whole southern fleet, like Navy, over to the, you know, to Korea, and it cost like a couple billion dollars, and they were like, oh, don't worry about it, South Korea, like, we got you. Mm-hmm. Like, it's like, you know, that, that money's crazy. But I, I, I understand what you're saying, too, man. And I'm all right with that. I, I think, like, if the country wants us there, you know, let's be there. You know, we can be there if you want us there. But, like, these countries that don't want us there, man, like, what's the sense of being there? I mean, we're already in Israel and Kuwait. Like, why do we need to be in Iraq? Yeah. I mean, they clearly don't want us there. No. They, they've made that pretty clear. <clears throat> So. We actually did more damage, dude. That's the craziest thing. <laughs> like we actually, dude, and we we've done that since, uh, you know, like J. Edgar Hoover, man. I mean, that dude, he's a big one, man. It started a lot of this stuff, dude. That really this supremacy and superiority, and you know, like no nonsense and like just like attitude in America, man. You know what I mean? And then that leads to you know the the Cold War and things like that, and these just these attitudes, man. That, like, you know, we can be secretive, we can do what we want, you know, we can do all this stuff. See, and that's the stuff, like, you know, that we're probably getting off topic somewhat, but, you know, we can talk about that all day. Like, the government, you know, conspiracy theories that are actually proven right, and you know, <laughs> all that stuff. But um, I think, yeah, you know, as long as the country wants us there, I think that's all right. But, I mean, I still think that we should get compensated some way. I mean, that's a lot of money. Did you um kind of move on to another kind of thing did you hear about what the white house or no the pentagon released this week no so the pentagon released a statement saying that they released two or three videos that have been on the internet for quite a while with ufos oh okay yeah there's yeah 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 yeah. i know i've I've seen some stuff so i got off social media altogether here recently Yeah, yeah but get this they basically said aliens exist, bro. Yeah. They yeah. said <laughs> without saying, listen, everybody's got a smartphone now. Yeah. We can't keep 
blinding. There's aliens, and we're in a big sandbox, and they're just we're their pets, and they come down every once in a while to check in on us, but they're really tired of our bullshit. <laughs> Dude, isn't that crazy? Though? Isn't that crazy? So I was actually at. I mean, uh, I I did some training out in uh, the Vegas desert, uh, Indian Springs. And uh, it's where they hold, like, Red Flag Alpha. Um, it's like a air combat thing. Yeah. But it's a super secure area, dude. It's the, Like, you have to have ID to get off the base. Like, you got to show ID getting on and off the base. <laughs> um, but, like, they would even say, you know, don't drink the water because of radiation and, you know, things like that. And then you would just see weird – dude, there was this dude, I swear to you, man. This dude was in this like 1970s lapel suit. It was a it was a restaurant on base, right? Damn. It was it was like underground, dude. It was the weirdest thing. And this dude had like this 1970s like lapel thing. I'm thinking to myself, like, this dude saw something and they just never let him leave. Bro, <laughs> Universal <laughs> Studios has been telling us with this men in black shit. The aliens are with us, bro. Yeah. But so that was out near Area 51. We were in like Area 60 something or something like that, dude. But it was out in that in that area, man. That, it's that's the crazy thing. That place is weird, dude. That whole desert area out there is just eerie, man. Well, they've done some crazy shit there. Yeah, and that's true too, man. It makes yeah, dude. They've done like, some crazy shit, and I think it was last year. There was this huge social media uh, thing that. Everybody wanted to storm the gates of Area 51. Yeah, yeah. And people made shirts, and they actually had got, like, a lot of people out there. I don't even know the exact number. I, I really should look this shit up before I bring it up. But that just goes to show you the power of social media and the fact that technology has crippled our country's capabilities of smoldering reality. Um, yeah. Which, if there is aliens... Everybody's like, what are they going to do? What are they, they're going to do shit. We're going to do it to ourselves. I mean, <laughs> yeah. we burn down, we, we're bombing people. We're, we're, we're going to war. We're doing all kinds of shit. We're in the middle of a pandemic. Like, aliens aren't going to do shit. They're just <laughs> watching this like it's a, it, like it's a episode of Breaking Bad, you know? Yeah. But see, that's the, that's the, um, you know, people get mad about this too. But, you know, when I say like, this is like, you know, Mother Earth's like cleansing herself, man, because we're just treating her like horrible. Shit. And I'm I'm part of that, man, because, I mean, I try to use, you know, like reusable bags and stuff. But like, you know, I'll still use plastic bags. And, you know, it, I mean, it's hard not to, you know, Dude, I it, think it it is kind of our fault. But it, we were born into this, this dependency on corporatism. And I'm all for capitalism yeah. and corporatism, but it's just a reality like. Plastic and glass is just a part of our staple. And I don't agree that we need to be using that. Maybe we can find an alternative like hemp plastic or something. But but those dissolve so quickly, like they're not going to sit on a store shelf for very long. But my point is, is that you got to take baby steps. And how is it that we're still driving combustible engines? Yeah. So we, we, yeah. Like, how are we still there? Like, you watch the like I watched Back to the Future the other day, and they they go to um, twenty was it two thousand eighteen or whatever the hell it was. Was that the year? Can't remember. But they, I can look that up. Yeah, they went into the future, and 
dude, hoverboards. Yeah. Michael J. Fox had a jacket that just air dried when he when mm-hmm. he came out. Hover uh, cars that could you know float in the air. Uh, just insane amounts of stuff. Some of the technology is here, but for the most part, we have really sucked as humans. Like we we haven't been back to the moon. Like we have regressed these last fifty years. That generation that went to war and won. Yeah. After they got home, we did some crazy shit, bro. We went to the moon. We sent rockets into space. A lot of our satellites and shit were a part of that movement. Kennedy was amazing. Yeah, he was. He threw threw money into the space, into R&D and getting our country in the right direction. And then we just started electing troglodytes, just the dumbest fucking people that you could ever elect. Like Uh Nixon, Ford, Carter. I mean, and not to disrespect Reagan, but like he was more worried about beating Russia than anybody else. Yeah, George W. Bush. Dude, Reagan and, destroyed the unions, though, man. Reagan, Reagan destroyed unions, like all together. And I'm not saying unions are the greatest thing, but people do need some type of representation. And he, he, he literally like just destroyed them. <laughs> ruined unions. <sighs> and that started with Nixon because he's the one that cracked the foundation with global globalization and going to China and building and fostering relationships with China. Yeah. Because if we didn't, Russia was. So Nixon gets a lot of credit for that. And and we just have grown our dependency on cheap shit, you know, ever since. Yeah. But we need we need to get off of this two party system shit. Like I'm tired of the whole Republican and Democrat narrative. Like I, I need some stable minded mother truckers. To just have common sense. Like, you don't necessarily that, have yeah. to agree with, with everything that I'm about. But I don't want you to, like, be a hardcore Marxist socialist or a radical like Trump. Like, I, can we just have somebody in the middle to just yeah legal, this, legalize weed and doesn't huh? let you hit your kids? Like, can we just do yeah. that? <laughs> yeah, like, that you can take the good things from each party and leave the bad things, you know, like <laughs> it, it's, it's the same thing. I'm like, we were talking about fixing the VA. I mean, it's a common sense approach. It's just coming. See, that's the thing. And that's what I figured out about myself recently, man, is that, you know, with work, I have problems with my bosses. And the reason why is not like problems, but like we butt heads because their policies, you know, their policy people, what's the, what's the, like, I'm going to follow policy and that's it. This is it. You know, like, this is the way we're going. And, you know, I'm an outside the box thinker. So like, if I see something isn't working right, I'm going to try to fix it, you know? And they're just like, Oh, as long as we're hitting numbers, you know, we're good. As long as you're, we're doing this, you're good. You know, um, it was, it was insane, you know? So like, I don't know that that's, um, that's, that's part something that I kind of figured out, you know, that I'm like, you know, I'm the outside the box thinker and, and it's just hard for me to, to fit into that like corporate narrative, man. Cause you, you really do got to play a game and it, the politician, the politics is the same game. I mean, you have to play a certain game in order to be able to get there. And like, that's the thing, dude, it's more about the game than it is about like the people. It's like that with and, any government job. It's not about how good you are at it. Nah. It's about 
how much ass you can kiss and who you know. Exactly. And and I'm the glad... nepotism at the VA is the number one issue with the VA. Currently. Yeah. And I'm not an I can't kiss ass, man. Like I I mean, dude, I'm I'm very professional. Like I work with you, things like that. But like, if I don't see something that isn't kosher with me, I'm gonna say it. You know what I mean? I'm gonna bring it up. It's gonna come out. You know. So, um, hopefully, I do that in a more assertive way than an aggressive way. You know. But I think that is the problem. And that's the problem with the whole country. I mean, people want to pick a side. They can't like figure it out themselves it's like you know you need to be led by somebody or something like you need you know like you need a policy to lead you you need like the corporate guides to lead you you know you can't like think for yourself and like make your own decisions about your programs or you know your things it's like okay what does the va say or what does this system say you know i gotta follow what that system does get this the veteran affairs guess how many employees the VA has today? A couple million, no? 377,805 veteran employees. I want to know how many patients they have. Yeah, how many patients? (laughs) Dude, I was way off, man. I said millions. Like, that's crazy. Well, no, I mean... It's easy to get that mis- you know, to get that mixed up, but I'm oh, just think, good. I just, I'm trying to look here. This is crazy. Well, our, my hospital system has like forty thousand employees, so yeah, three hundred something thousand is big, man. So, eighteen point two million veterans in the United States currently are registered. Yeah. No, that can't be right. Nine million veterans are serving, have served, are part of the VA. So roughly half. So of the 18.2 million at living veterans that are alive in the United States, half of them currently partake of VA benefits. Wow. Half. That's a big number. It's a huge number. So you've got nine million dependents on the system. And you have 377,000 employees. And the question becomes, what percentage of those employees are support? How many of them are doctors? I I mean, it's a justifiable number to a certain extent, but that's massive. I mean, if you look at the part of Homeland Security, which was founded like in the early 2000s, 240,000 employees. Mm. I I think that there's a serious issue with that, man. I I really do. I I think what we need to do with the VA is we need to make it specialize on TBIs, PTSD, and war-related injuries, like very common. And then they need to outsource everything else. Mm. They need to. Well, I mean, that's going to cost, no? I think it'd be cheaper in the long run. Think about it. You don't have to pay for the doctors the same way you do. You don't have to pay for their pension. You don't have to pay for their benefits. You don't have to pay for the building. For running maintenance. Yeah. All those people need, need retirement. And, hmm. and 
Are are the benefits of the VA good? I, I mean, they're not bad. See, no, I mean, I'm looking. So, I'm I you know go one. I get a checkup once a year. You know, um, but I've gotten insurance recently, so I went to another doctor because um, I'm trying to get out of there, man. I don't. It's I just don't like it. I mean, because you, you, I had the best person I ever had, dude, was a nurse practitioner. She was awesome, dude. You know what I mean? Like, would sit down, talk to you, you know, like, not just come in, start typing on a keyboard. You know, okay. Yep, 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 yep. Okay. okay. Mm -hmm. What's your last score? Yeah. You know, like, tell me about how you doing. How you doing? See, I. Yeah, and I get that. I mean, I worked at the V. So, like, I get that. I get that, you know, you need to, like, type on a first session. But you can say, like, hey, you know, hi, like, introduce yourself and, you know, say, do you mind if I type while we talk? You know, if they say, you know, all the time they're going to say yes, you know, they're, they're okay with it. But, like, if there's that one chance where somebody says, you know, I don't want you to type, you don't have to. You can write it down. I mean, but most of the time people are okay with it. But as long as you can give, like, a warm welcome, hey, you know, and like actually show interest and then when you're typing like turn to them and like you know what i mean like there's a way a way to do it you know that you can still type and like talk to somebody right you know i get it those first appointments man you you have to you know because you it's if you don't you're gonna get really behind because i actually had that happen to me because i was doing it that way for a while like just not typing while i'm talking and writing everything down and then trying to do the note later Dude, it was it was way too. It would take me like, you know, half hour to do a note. I'm like, this is crazy. So, before we close this out, man, because I know you got a life. Um, yeah. Um, I just want you to to tell me. I know he's like, no, I don't. I don't know <laughs> I gotta put my kid to sleep. Um, no, I, 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 just tell me what is it that you find to be the most challenging in this period of time just being alive currently like what's the most challenging thing for you as a human being people man just like picking sides like that's for me that's the most challenging thing it's the most frustrating thing it's the most because that's why we keep getting to these places man you know because people you know, can't really look at things and educate themselves on things and say, well, why, why is the kneeling bad, you know, or why is it good? It's just like, well, this guy says it's bad. So I'm going to say it's bad. Or this guy says it's good. So I'm going to say it's good. You know, instead of taking like a, a, you know, realistic approach to it and kind of just taking a look at each side and saying, okay, you know, Kaepernick, what, what happened there? And, you know, oh, somebody told him to do it. You know, somebody that was respected and a military person, and he said that would show respect, you know, and, and say, okay, now I understand why he's doing it. I don't agree with it, but, you know, I can still understand. I don't have to get, like, angry and, you know, get nutty and, you know what I mean, just start, like, throwing a tantrum. Right. Um, you know, and, and on the same side, you can you can look and say, you know, Cap, you really shouldn't have wore the socks, you know, the pig socks. I mean, yeah, it was, it was a little funny, but, you know, you probably shouldn't have did that. You know, there's a more tactful way to do things. Um, so, I mean, again, you can look at fault on both sides and the good on both sides, but come to your own opinion and, like, stop fighting people over it. Right. For me, the biggest problem we're facing as a country, and just for me in general, is how quick we are to to diagnose a problem. 
like the whole Bubba Wallace situation last week with the yeah. the rope and the noose and, and inside the garage at Talladega. Yeah. That that wasn't a thing. It was a it was a rope that was tied in a knot to close the damn door to the to the damn garage and, and yeah, it was a dude being an ass. Like that's yeah. pretty much what it was. No, it wasn't. No, it wasn't a dude being an ass at all. That's no. he just no. go ahead. He just put a he just used rope to close the door. Somebody just he, misunderstood. No, 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 no. But but they tie. I mean, nobody else was tying in a noose. I mean, like it. it he he did it for a reason. It wasn't like he just was like that's the way everybody ties it. I mean, it, it, I'm not saying I'm not saying it was no, 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 dude. They said that there was no other um things like that there. That was the only one to pull down the door was like that in the shape of a noose. I would have to see the knot, dude. No, um no, I what I'm saying is though is is that from what I read and, and heard, I swear, dude, I mean, I'll have to look it up again, but I swear that it said that was the only one shape like a noose was on that door because the door was broken. Okay, all right, all right. Granted, there we. I got you, dude. All right. And it so, may been it may been that the dude just had it in his truck. I actually knew people that had nooses when I was younger. You know what I mean? Um, what? Would have them in the back. Why would you have a noose in your? Truck? I don't know. I remember. <laughs> I remember people doing that. Dude. I do as a kid. I remember people like burning a cross down in the ball field and stuff. Get out of here! Yeah, you yeah like- man. No dude, way. Pittsburgh's segregated, man. Like, if you, Pittsburgh is really a segregated place, dude. And it goes by, like, street. Like, one street can be all black. The next street will be, like, all white, you know. That's crazy. It, it, it really is segregated, dude. And we can get it. That's probably the next thing we should talk about. But um, we'll, we'll figure that out. But, but dude, yours is the same as mine, really. I mean, it's like, you know, people diagnosing a problem and picking a side immediately and not not slowing down and taking yeah. a breath and, and you know Bubba Wallace has got tears in his eyes and he's got all of NASCAR behind him and they're pushing this car across the finish line and they're doing all this symbolic you know virtuous virtue signaling. Yeah. I don't I don't feel like I, I feel like that the, the it was in the all in the right place but at the same time it was all built on a lie. And, yeah. and I think I think with all things that we do, because information is so readily available now, we just need to slow down, take a breath, and listen. It takes some take a couple days to diagnose it. People, if if could you imagine if nine eleven happened mm-hmm. now? Oh, I mean, yeah, dude, we might actually go to nuclear war. <laughs> like they may actually drop nuclear bombs. Dude, people are so stupid (laughs) twitter like just like trump needs to stop tweeting everybody just needs to get on social media and spend a few more minutes with their family yeah that's what i'm i'm actually that's why i said man i haven't been really watching news and stuff like that i work on it i work in in you know trauma dude so like i deal with that stuff all day long man i see nasty horrible shit and i don't really want to see it when i come home anymore I got you, man. Yeah. Well, well, dude, seriously, it's been awesome. Yeah. Um, I'm so happy to finally got to do this, and hopefully there'll be a bunch more to come. We'll figure out. Yeah, and we'll be needed to, you need to send me, you need to send me topics or something, and then we'll start, like, actually researching stuff. Yeah, man. So. All right, dude. 
Well, it was awesome, man. Appreciate you. All right. I'll talk to you later. Are you washing your hands? What are you doing? Yeah. No, I was uh, rubbing my hands together. I thought, are you excited? No, they're itchy. No, they're itchy. He's excited to get off, folks. He's like, <laughs> damn it, I've been trying to get off. <laughs> no, my hand's like super itchy and dry, dude. Well, use some lotion, man. I am. Well, th- I got to get off the, this, like, uh, call, man. Wow. That's how it is. <laughs> I gotta, go back. Go dude, back we've been going hand. for an hour, man. That's pretty good. You're like, I have to lift my hands every 30 minutes. <laughs> all right man i'll talk hey, to you hey, hey jurgens if you're listening to this podcast dan needs a lifetime supply of <laughs> that'll be our first sponsor right, actually, right. I, you know what's funny dude i'm actually putting jurgens on right now <laughs> like seriously it, it's here you want me to take a, I'll, ah! I'll, send, I'll send you a picture that's awesome. That'll be the face of this podcast. Just a bottle of Jergens. <laughs> <laughs> Hold up, man. Is it like lavender or is it like dude stuff? It's original scent, dude. I just sent it to you. Let's see this stuff. Let's see. Let's check this out. <laughs> dude, he's got. A bottle of original scent Jergens sitting on his counter and what appears to be an Amazon candle. Next yeah, bless your Amazon. Bro. That's Got my dude, bathroom. Dude, what, that's, that, that's your bathroom? <laughs> yeah, man. Wifey, that's not wifey's bathroom? No, mine's You downstairs. got lush Amazon candles, bro. Yeah. Oh no. I mean, this is like everybody's bathroom, but I use uh, it in the morning because, like, get I get up, I get up super early. Say, man, who bought the Jergens, though? Be honest. Oh, my wife, dude. Yeah, exactly. I buy, I buy like a cocoa butter or something. What? Yeah, man, I love like a a, a good one. Wild. Well, you enjoy, <laughs> you enjoy your original scent of Jergens. All right, man. My Jergens. <laughs> I'll talk to you later, dude. Yeah, man, later. All right.